so this morning we enter this new series in the book of Jeremiah. I'm excited for it. The prophet Jeremiah was also known as the weeping prophet. He was a man of God who was called to minister to the rebellious tribe of Judah in particular and whose prophecies from God were completely rejected. Imagine that. His life and ministry seemed to be in vain because he faced constant opposition and experienced personal suffering with very little ministry effectiveness. Nevertheless, Jeremiah did not quit and he teaches us to be faithful to the task to deliver the word of the Lord in season, no matter what the result may be. And so over the next nine weeks, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna embrace the call to persevere in life and the call to persevere in ministry. And in order to set the context for the next couple of weeks in our series this morning, I'm gonna begin by focusing on a message called the state of affairs. It's the state of affairs in Judah. And let me give you the ample warning right now. This is a hard hitting scripture. This scripture is still relevant for us today. So I want you to hear it. I want your heart to be open to what God might say to you directly, what God is saying to us as the people of God, both in person and online. And I pray that you will be challenged from God's word. The scripture today comes from Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 6 to 14. I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Jeremiah chapter 3. Verses 6 to 14, let's read together in one voice. During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and under every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not, and her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery. Because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her, she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. In spite of all of this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. The Lord said to me, faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. Go proclaim this message towards the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this heavy scripture from Jeremiah chapter 3. And we pray that you would enable us to make understanding today, to apply the principles that we learn. And that you would teach us about what it means to be in a covenant relationship with you, our God. Lord, you're not a God who takes commitment lightly. You take it very seriously. In fact, it's like a marriage. 
And so, Father, today I pray that we would deal with our spiritual lives and we would also deal with the physical marriages that are represented in this place and online. Would you heal and restore right relationship, we pray. Father, there are many people today who have wandered away from you, people who have gone to the left or to the right. But today, would you align us back with your heart? Would you align us to walk straight in the path that you prepared for us, O oh God? Father, we need the voice of a prophet sometimes to speak to our hearts. In Jeremiah's generation, nobody listened. But in this generation, I pray that somebody will listen. That they would hear the word of the Lord speaking directly to their life and to their heart. They would turn from that wickedness and return to relationship with the living God. So Father, heal your people. Speak to your people. Convict your people. Lord, I need your help to preach your word with clarity and with boldness so that your people might believe and hear and obey. So Father, I pray that you enable me by your spirit for this task. We ask for your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever felt like a failure? I have. Have you ever wondered what's the point? Welcome to the book of Jeremiah. It's a peculiar book because it seemed that not one single person repented or was saved because of the prophet's ministry. And while we might be tempted to consider him as a failure of a prophet, he was actually a very faithful prophet. He proclaimed the word of the Lord in a very unpopular time and an unpopular season. He experienced some of the most traumatizing events in his own life and his own ministry. Through Jeremiah, we learn that ministry success is not determined by numbers. It is determined by obedience. It's all about obedience with Jeremiah. That sure does put things into perspective for me as a pastor, and I pray and I hope that it does for you as the people of God. You see, the book of Jeremiah traces the downward spiral of the tribe of Judah into the Babylonian exile. Jeremiah is also the author of the book of Lamentations. His book precedes, uh, proceeds Isaiah and precedes Ezekiel and Daniel. His contemporary prophets are Zephaniah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. And though only mentioned once in respects to composing laments for the death of King Josiah, he was active in the background of 2 Kings chapters 22 to 26, and 2 Chronicles 34 to 36. See, Jeremiah's prophetic ministry spanned almost half a century. We're talking about 50 years of ministry during the reigns of five kings of Judah, Josiah, Jehoshaphat, Jehoiakim, originally named Eliakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. Five kings. In politics, the state of affairs is a set of circumstances at a particular time and at a particular place. Consider Jeremiah 3 as God's own state of affairs addressed to answer and to speak to a divided kingdom of Judah and Israel. So as we read and as we listen to the word of the Lord, we will notice that the Lord chose to strategically reference the image of marriage in this scripture. 
Marriage is is important to God. God's intimate covenant relationship with his people has always been and still remains likened to a relationship between a husband and a wife. Earlier in Israelite history, there was a prophet named Hosea. And the prophet Hosea lived out a sermon illustration from his own message, his own prophetic book. His marriage to his wife named Gomer, a prostitute, displayed the extravagant love of God to a sinful Israel. And in Jeremiah, however, we see that God has been forced to make a decision about his relationship status with his people due to their continued adultery in the land. If God had Facebook, that'd be interesting. Wouldn't that be interesting? If God had Facebook, his status would say, it's complicated with Judah and is no longer in a relationship with Israel. But this morning, I want to help you understand the spiritual marriage, the spiritual divorce, the spiritual restoration that God spoke of through the prophet Jeremiah. It is not only addressed It's not only addressing his time and his context, but it transcends time. And here today, it addresses the very heart of church and culture that we're living in. First point I want to share with you this morning is that there was a spiritual marriage in verses 6 and verse 7. The scripture says, during the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and under every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not. And her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. The people of God, what we now refer to as the church of Jesus Christ, is the bride of Jesus Christ. And it's a little bit more difficult, I find, for us men to see ourselves as the bride of Christ. It's a little bit harder for us. But unfortunately, there is no way to reverse the imagery here. Us men will just have to get over it. But when it comes to God, we are the bride and he is the groom. This is the relationship that we have. Now, in order to understand this, you and I need to understand that marriage is a covenant relationship. And it's a relationship that we have with our God. And your salvation is not a cheap promise. It's not a paper certificate. Marriage is a sacred act, a sacred covenant that you make. To reduce the weightiness of the marriage covenant in our lives and in our society is to automatically reduce the weightiness of the spiritual covenant that we have with our God. In order to repair this, we must highly esteem marriage in our lives and bring it back into prominence in society. Otherwise, we will reduce it to absolutely nothing. It will mean nothing to people. Well, King Josiah was considered to be a good king in light of his reform of the idolatry in the land of Judah and his renewal of the covenant, the people of Israel, they continued to go back cyclically to a spiritual lifestyle of adultery. And there was not only a spiritual but a physical side to this Canaanite adultery with sexual immorality. As verse 9 later indicates, this adultery was less about people and it was more about stone and wood. 
this adultery took place in worship of the Baal stone and the Asherah poles. And God's hope was that his people would somehow, some way, hear his voice through the prophet Jeremiah and return to him. But they did not. Let me speak for one moment on the topic of another pandemic that is happening in society. This is the pandemic of pornography. Pornography is a high place, friends, that must be destroyed. It is not just destroying you physically. It is destroying your relationship with God spiritually. And this digital adultery is destroying marriages just as much as physical adultery. Pornography has become the Baal and the Asherahs of our age. These are the things that we must destroy. And I believe with the power of God at work in your life and in my life, we can reform our lives of these habits. You don't have to be heavily entrenched in pornography to be an adulterer. You see, the Bible just says if you look at a person lustfully, then you've committed the crime. We live in a graphic world, and if you do not learn how to divert your eyes, if you don't learn how to control your thoughts, you will find yourself being unfaithful to your spouse if you have one, but most importantly, being unfaithful to your God. It is Jesus who said, and let me give you that exact scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Not just men towards women, but vice versa. Women towards men. Whether physically or spiritually, men and women can both be adulterers. We can fool ourselves into thinking that this isn't a big deal, but it really is. And it's destroying our relationship and our intimacy with our God. It's amazing to see how God hoped that these adulterous Israelites would return to him, but yet they did not. Some of you know firsthand what it feels like to be cheated on. Multiply that by 100 or 1,000, and then think about for a moment how God felt when his people cheated on him. Friends, if this is you today, my prayer is that you will not ignore the word of God through the prophet Jeremiah. It's, your, it's not time to mess around. It's time to own your mess. Instead of running further away from God and trying to hide your sin from God, it's time to start running back to God and redeeming and restoring that right relationship with God so that you can have an intimate and a meaningful relationship with him. Secondly, today, there is a spiritual divorce in scripture we see. Verses eight to 11, the scripture says, I, who is God, gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and with wood. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. And the Lord said to me, faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. We've been talking about my influence this year, 2021, 
in order to form some missional vitality within our hearts and within our congregation. And while we can be a positive influence, we can also be a negative influence on people. You see, as the young sister Judah saw the promiscuity of her older sister Israel, the younger sister also followed the older sister's ways and committed adultery. And God had authorized the official divorce certificate between himself and Israel and sent her away into exile under the Assyrians in 722 BCE. This chapter here is a warning that if the people of Judah in the south are not careful, they too will experience what happened to Israel in the north. It eventually did happen. And Judah, by the end of the book of Jeremiah, there they are being sentenced to the Babylonian exile in 586 BCE, near the end of Jeremiah's ministry. But I want you to notice this morning one minor differentiation between Israel and Judah. See, both were adulterers, but God, through Jeremiah, referred to Israel as faithless and Judah as unfaithful. You catch the difference in those words? Which is worse to you, faithlessness or unfaithfulness? See, when compared, God established that faithless Israel was actually more righteous than unfaithful Judah. That's trivial for us. How can this be? Well, Israel completely rejected God. But Judah gave lip service to God. See, in Jeremiah 7, 27 to 28, the same prophet said to the people, when you tell them all this, they will not listen to you. When you call to them, they will not answer. Therefore say to them, this is the nation that God, that, that has not obeyed the Lord its God or responded to correction. Truth has perished. It has vanished from their lips. Lip service is lukewarm Christianity. Lift service is lukewarm faith. It is saying that you want to be married, but you want to continue being unfaithful. In the words of Jesus to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 to 16, the people of Judah, uh, the people in the story, in the scriptures, in Revelation, were lukewarm in that church. And God says, Jesus says to that church, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. To God, having a form of godliness is more repulsive than being ungodly. To be saved, but to live like we're unsaved is to dishonor him. For some of us, this is actually new. This is shocking news. Though Israel did not return, Judah returned to God. But here's what they did. They only returned to God in pretense. And pretense means an attempt to make something that is not true seem like it is true. And certainly spiritual divorce was bad, but at least we can respect it because it's a truthful decision. But spiritual pretense, however, is worse because it's untruthful decision. You see the difference between the two, church? I think so many of us are trapped in our relationship with God because we've been living with pretense in our lives. We've been going through the motions, but there's no real relationship there. In verse one, God asked Jeremiah, if a man divorces his wife 
and she leaves him and marries another man, should he return to her again, would not the land be completely defiled? And the answer is clearly no. He should not return to her. But God, the man in this figurative relationship, is freed from his covenant because of the marital unfaithfulness of his ex-wife or the people of God. And the difference is that we are not divorced yet as the people of God, though we might be on the verge of being divorced. We are more like Judah than we are like Israel. We are not faithless, but we are unfaithful. God would rather you be faithless or, un, or faithful, but not unfaithful. If you're living in unfaithfulness today, call on God while he is still near. Repent from your pretense. As much as it breaks my heart to even have to say this publicly, you need to make a decision today as to whether you will either end your covenant relationship with God or you will repent of breaking your covenant with God. It's an either-or decision. It's not an in-between decision of lukewarmness. But here's my prayer and here's my hope, that you'll choose the second option, that you'll repent and turn from your ways, acknowledge your God who loves you so deeply. Thirdly, this morning, a spiritual restoration. We find this in verses 12 to 14. And I just want to say, as we're reading the book of Jeremiah, I'm not going to sugar it up for you. I'm not going to make it clean and tidy for you. It's messy. The book is messy. If I'm going to preach it faithfully, faithfully to you, I have to preach it as it is. And so we have to dig into the scripture. I know it's heavy, but we need to meditate on it today. We see a spiritual restoration, verses 12 to 14. Go proclaim this message towards the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree. And you have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord. For I am your husband. See, Jeremiah was given a message to proclaim. And it's a message of returning. It's a powerful message. It shows the very heart of God. The very people he sent off in divorce are the very people he now calls back to himself to return to him. Friends, God is still faithful even when we're faithless. It's okay, just a few amens. In his faithfulness, what does he do? He pursues the lost so that they may be found. He will not do this for those who are half in and half out of covenant. He does it for those who are out of covenant. Those who are completely out of that covenant relationship. In regards to God's disposition towards his people, he would no longer frown upon them. And he would not be angry forever. All that was required was that they would acknowledge their guilt and idol worship and rebellion and disobedience. And even though the divorce was signed for a very worthy reason, God was not willing to give up so easily. Isn't that amazing? We have a God. We have a God who fights for his covenant relationship. He's fighting for you today. He's fighting for those who have walked away from the faith. He wants them to come back to him. You need to understand today that God is in the ministry of spiritual restoration of covenant relationship. 
talking about your relationship with him. I'm also talking about your relationship with your husband and your wife. Maybe it's not going so well, but there's a reconciliation. There's a restoration that can take place. I'm even extending this to include your ex-husband or your ex-wife. If you're in that situation and find yourself in that predicament today, even God can restore those types of relationships. I'm also talking about our relationship collectively as the bride of Christ with the bridegroom. See, he once was but still wants to be the husband to his faithless ex-wife. This is the God we serve. And if God can restore us back into spiritual relationship, we should also not limit what he can do in our natural relationships with our husbands and wives. See, over the years of ministry, I have personally witnessed divorced couples remarry again. And it's been a beautiful celebration when I've been able to stand with a couple and witness the special moment where they were divorced, they were separated, and now they stand before God saying, we want to make things right. We want to restore this relationship. Beautiful story of the redemption of God. Because he alone can restore the relationship of two hostile people. And he alone can make them one again. So the question is, will we be like the people of Jeremiah's time or will we return to the Lord? See, as the prophet Joel once said in Joel 2, 12 to 14, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent. No longer are we left with the question, who knows? We know. We have the answer. We know because Jesus Christ has come and he has reconciled us to God. And now he has given to us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Unfortunately, no one listened to Jeremiah's message during his lifetime. And that's the sad part about reading the book of Jeremiah. But the book of Jeremiah has been preserved for us so that we will never repeat the same mistakes as the people of God in that time and in that season. Let's not repeat the same mistakes. To conclude this morning, as the worship team comes and prepares to lead us in a final song, I hope you're already starting to see at the very onset of Jeremiah the value of this book. It's a, it's a book that speaks to the spiritual condition of Israel and Judah in that time. But I really believe it's speaking to the spiritual condition of our world and our culture and the church today. This is not light reading. This is not fluff stuff. This is heavy, substantial, word of God stuff. And Jeremiah reminds us that the judgment of God is so real. I want to bring before you one final scripture this morning, this time from the New Testament, from one of Paul's epistles, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 to 13. I want you to listen to this biblical warning today. Open your ears to this scripture. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of the world who are immoral or greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. 
But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister, but is a sexually immoral or greedy or an adulterer, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. See, there's a problem in the body of Christ. The problem is that we haven't stopped. We haven't stopped to exercise judgment within the body. We're easy and we're ready to cast the stone outside of the church, but we're not ready to look inside of the church. We enjoy looking at sinful unbelievers and pointing the finger at them, but we fail to exercise judgment internally over sinful believers. And this is why the world does not believe us. This is why the world does not understand the Christian faith, because it's full of hypocrisy. We're not called to judge the outsider. We are called to judge the insider. I don't say this to frighten you. I say this to hold you accountable because accountability is good for you. See, as a last measure, the apostle Paul was willing to expel a wicked believer from the church because of the danger of their influence on the church. Now, let me be very clear today. I'm not advocating that you be a perfect person because there's no one perfect, no, not one. But what I am advocating for is the process of sanctification in your life, the process of becoming more and more like Jesus in your life. And if you're becoming less and less like Jesus, Houston, we have a problem. See, the body of Christ then has a reason to question your Christianity. We've been so tolerant of spiritual unfaithfulness and adultery. And this is something that is affecting the health and the witness of the church in the 21st century. You need to make a decision about where you stand with God today. As your pastor, I'm not going to apologize for being direct with you and maybe even offending some of you. I have to do that sometimes because that's what the Word of God requires. Sometimes the Word of God is a rebuke. Sometimes the Word of God is a correction. And that's how it should function. Not all the time, but sometimes. And as I prayed about this scripture over the last four months, I can tell you I've been stewing on this for four months now. I felt the prophetic message of Jeremiah rising up within my heart. See, Jeremiah was not talking to unbelievers. Jeremiah was talking to believers. So believer today, if you're hearing my voice, if you're in this building, if you're online, maybe you're watching this video later this week, are you in covenant or are you out of covenant? If you decide to be out of covenant, and you want to leave the family of faith, here's the thing. We will then see you as part of the mission. We will see you as the lost that needs to be found. If you're going to stay lukewarm, then we have a different problem. But if you decide to be in covenant, then it's time to get serious about your faith. And it's time to be faithful to the Lord in every aspect of your life. Let's pray.